It's time for Bring in the Heat with Brian Nolan. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is another edition of Bringing the Heat with Brian on yours truly here on this week's edition of the program. A little bit of a, a, a it's a little reunion of sorts. Trey's other boss from the fast lane with Ed Lane. Mr. Ed Lane is going to be joining. It is not my boss. Yes. Hey, do you work for him? Monday no, no, I work for a man named Gary Burns. Do you he work with him then? Yes. Oh, so do you, your coworker. So it's your other coworker then. There you go. Get your okay. Back. We're leaving all this in, so Ed will get the full experience. By the way, your former coworker, Mr. Ed Lane, or your current coworker, I should say. Well, I hope he's your still your current coworker. Anyway, he's going to be coming on the program. We're going to be talking about William Byron and what it does for not just him, but also for the city that Ed broadcast to in Lynchburg, Virginia, as well as Liberty University. We're going to be talking Daytona 500 and so much more. And then one of the guys that was on uh, the ground, Anthony Damcott, he's going to be coming on the program. We're going to be talking about just the racing that we saw, potential um, couple guys angry at each other, and then some final thoughts, and so much more. So without further ado, Trey, let's go on into the inferno with Mr. Ed Lane. Now it's time for To the Fast Lane with Ed Lane To go into the inferno with Brian Right now folks at this time Going to bring the program And catch him on the Fast Lane with Ed Lane Monday through Friday 5 to 6 93.3 a.m. Lynchburg You can follow him on Twitter at Fast Lane Ed Lane The one, the only Mr. Ed Lane. Ed, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. How are you? And are you keeping Trey in line during these uh, during these days? You know, that's an ongoing challenge. <laughs> Trey in line to keep up with Trey to make sure he's I'm not controlling all of this. I want to point that out. Like I control all of this, so just be in my yes. Well, of course, he has to interject that, right? You should know this. You should expect this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I feel like I, I want to say he's just going to change and not interrupt, but it always does happen. Trey, you know, we love you. We know you love you. We can also, you can also listen to Trey interrupt at, on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app as well. I had to make sure I, I put that in there as well. And let's dive into NASCAR, though. Daytona 500, Monday, William Byron wins after the yellow comes out. Obviously, there was tons of tons of controversy online saying Alex Bowman won, saying William Byron didn't win. Did you have a problem with the call? And then NASCAR, did they get it right from your point of view? I don't have a problem with the call. It looked like they had gotten back to the checkered flag or the white flag, a flag stand, at, at which point the, the caution lights came out. So... I mean, I, as much as anyone, I can't stand races finishing under caution, mm-hmm. and it's annoying, and it doesn't provide the maximum amount of entertainment, especially at tapered spacer tracks or short tracks where you're almost guaranteed to have some type of beating and banging. But, I mean, for NASCAR, I admire the level of consistency with which they operated because they actually sacrificed what's the more entertaining finish for what seemed to be right by the rule book. So 
I can at least respect that consistency. It gives teams an opportunity to adjust as much as possible. And I mean, from my naked eye, it looked slightly like William Byron was ahead. You know, this is kind of a computer data driven decision as much as anything. And I mean, look, we're talking about a sport here that has a, uh, a history of somewhat nebulous interpretation of the rules, but I thought it was fine all within everything speaking. And I mean, as far as the outcome, look, Kendrick Motorsports, they had put themselves in position. And, you know, as much as anything, we've seen it with Penske Racing, Cindric, Logano, and Blaney. We've seen it with other Fords that have been in the mix, historically, Brad Keselowski, but even Chris Busher has gotten better at this art recently. And that is just playing the percentages. If you're up near the front, the law of averages, I know Bubba Wallace fans may disagree with this, but the law of averages says eventually you're going to start winning these type of things. And it kind of played to Hendrick Motorsports advantage. Ed Lane from the Fast Lane with Ed Lane joining the program here. Ed, you guys cover Liberty as well as Virginia Tech and Virginia in Lynchburg. So for, for you and, and the city of Lynchburg, how popular and how big is it for William Byron to win as well as it for Liberty University. Oh, there's a huge contingent of people around Liberty University that essentially have adopted William Byron as their favorite driver. And look, they're they're always going to be fans of Chase Elliott because of his dad, Bill Elliott. Uh the Bubba Wallace is polarizing, I think in a good way. He gets people either rooting against him or for him, but they're paying attention. Kind of that Notre Dame uh, a football, Duke basketball, Dallas Cowboys effect um, where where you've got that. But William Byron, he's been to multiple Liberty football games over the years, including multiple games this past year. He's a guy that, I mean, to, to Hugh Freeze's ever-loving credit, but Hugh Freeze was a guy that first brought more attention to the William Byron-Liberty University connection and partnership back before Freeze left Liberty to take the Auburn job. And that's carried over to William Byron having a connection, it seems, to Liberty University, to embracing it. He was there. You know, I've got a photo up at Fast Lane, Ed Lane, from our Tuesday, February 20th show preview. Total shameless self-promotion. <laughs> but it's William Byron standing like five feet away from me on the field. I know another, you know, look at me now, flex moment here, but you know, William Byron standing on the field at the Fiesta Bowl, and he flew in on his own accord around New Year's to take in the game that the Flames were inevitably going to get destroyed by the Oregon Ducks. And so there's clearly a connection that Byron feels to Liberty, and I think as a result, just cultivating that over multiple years, it's very similar, I would say, to how William Byron has cultivated his success, just a process-oriented approach over multiple years for success on the track for William Byron, but also building up his fan base, particularly in the Lynchburg area, amongst the Liberty University supporters. Jeff Gordon was talking in his post-race press conference how he thinks William Byron is a superstar. Now, could you see that happening, or is that already happening? And then in, in the sport of NASCAR, Ed, what constitutes becoming a quote-unquote superstar? So that that's a great question. That the what what constitutes a superstar is what prompted my and for those watching the front stretch YouTube page, you'll you will have seen the reaction, <laughs> the video reaction of that. 
Um, William Byron's on his way there because he's had multiple, if he wins another race this year, which all indications are that he's going to, it'll be his third year in a row winning multiple races over the course of a season. And when you start to stack that longevity of trips to victory lane up, you ascend yourself to superstar status. You get to that double digit win threshold where William Byron's is at bad grammar. I know, but just ride with me on this. Um, you know, William Byron's there. And then you're also talking about someone who the last couple of years has been a legitimate threat deep into the playoffs. And I mean, I don't think you have to win a championship to be considered a superstar. Otherwise, Denny Hamlin would not be considered a superstar when he clearly is, and he has not won a championship. But being in contention routinely uh, as a driver that can make the final eight, the final four, that shows a level of consistency that if you're consistently good over the course of the year, you get through kind of the wild card entrance, make it to the first round of the playoffs. Then you get through the, okay, I, I caught a break here or there. I'm in the second round. By the time you get to the final eight, which is the last four races of the NASCAR playoffs, I, to me at least, and feel free to disagree here, you know, at the Brian Nolan on Twitter, at Trey Lyle VT, at Front Stretch, and at Fast Lane, Ed Lane. Got to get all those plugs out. I know you got all the plugs, not just all one. of them. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but I think at that point, if you can consistently make it to the final eight of NASCAR, to me, that shows you've got staying power and longevity that usually is preceded in a season by the ability to win multiple races on multiple tracks. And Byron has clearly shown that ability is he's won on short tracks like Martinsville, the ovals like Texas. <sighs> Got to get my dig in of that place. Of course, <laughs> Darlington, he's won at Watkins Glen last year. He's won multiple races at the tapered space or tracks in different venues. When you're that well versed, I think you're in the discussion as a driver that should be considered superstar. Last but not least, my friend, coming up this week, Atlanta, what are you going to be looking forward to at the quote-unquote uh, tapered spacer, a little, little shrunken, little fun size, I like to call it, uh, super speedway race? And then what storylines are you going to be keeping an eye on on this weekend slash this year in the world of NASCAR? Probably the, the two most fascinating ones are drivers who ran well at Daytona, but it didn't seal the deal, whether it's just the wrong place, wrong time, getting caught up in the rack or getting shuffled out towards the end. And that driver contingent would be a Joey Logano type. Martin Truex Jr. has run very well, but he has been snake bitten on these type of tracks. But if you, if you look at taking, you know, I know, you know, how was the play Mrs. Lincoln analogy here, but um, if you take that out, he's actually run very well on a lot of these tracks. Um, the data has backed that up. Of course, Denny Hamlin's a factor on these as well. And then the other one is drivers who ran in the top 10 at Daytona, the Legacy Motor Club cars, Corey LaJoy, Bubba Wallace, guys who are very adept at this style of racing. Can they find a way to bust through and get that early season boost of momentum by going to victory lane? Once again, you can follow Ed on Twitter at FastLane. Ed Lane at 93.3, a.m. Lynchburg, also the CBS Sports Lynchburg app. Ed, thank you so much. Give our listeners slash uh, viewers on the YouTube a little bit of a sneak peek of what's to come coming up on your show. Yeah, well, we've got plenty of college basketball talk, of course. Uh, it's ACC-centric with 
where we're located. Plenty more on NASCAR as well. I believe it's your colleague, Stephen Stump. It is. Who is slated to join us Thursday around 5.30. And shameless plug here. <laughs> Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you miss anything. And yes, we will certainly have more thoughts from Trey Lyle as well on the NASCAR season and whatever other storyline pops up. We know we love Trey. We know we give him a hard time, but he, he's a good guy. Ed, thank you so much for coming out uh, on, or th- thank you so much for coming on to the program, my friend. And let's have you on a little bit down the road, buddy. I'll always enjoy it, Bri. Thank you. At Fast Lane, Ed Lane, once again. Ed Lane from the Fast Lane with Ed Lane joining Bringing the Heat podcast. Once again, that was Ed Lane from the Fast Lane with Ed Lane, co-workers with Mr. Trey Lau, not his boss, co-workers. I uh, rudely got told there. I apologize to you, Ed. Don't apologize to Trey at all. Um, one guy that I'm not so rudely interrupted by is a guy that did some fantastic work with Mr. Steven Stump and with Mr. Thomas Bowles Jr. the third. No, he's not a junior, and he's no not the third, but he still did one hell of a job. That is my man, Mr. Anthony Damcott. Anthony, your first Daytona 500 in the books. I can't say that I've been at a track probably longer than you have on two days because um, I, I was listening to Happy Hour earlier, and Tom Bowles said that you guys were at the track for like 20 hours on Monday. Can you confirm or deny that? And then second off, thanks for coming to the program, man. I can absolutely confirm that we were at the track way longer than we probably should have, but we're home now. The Daytona 500 is behind us. I'm so excited to be here with you on bringing the heat, just like Daytona brought the heat. I'm a little bit sunburned, but we're, we're here and we're, we're ready to go. I love it, my friend. I love it. Let's dive on into what is still hot. What's still hot? It's time to upgrade you on the latest news in NASCAR. What is still hot? Let's dive on in, Mr. Anthony Damcott. Um, Elton Soler was on Sirius XM radio this morning, and he said that they are going to be looking at drivers saving fuel at Daytona. Now, our Tom Bowles spoke with Eric Jones, and, you know, after after a long 500-mile race, people would think that it would be a fantastic um, run to score a top 10, but Eric Jones was basically distraught. He was really, really upset with, um, unfortunately, not getting a top 10, and Denny Hamlin said it on his podcast that he just wanted a race, and, he, and when they're going at 50% uh, throttle, they really can't do that. Um, with, with that being said, is there something that NASCAR can do? I mean, what can they say? What can they do? If at all, is there a solution to this? I mean, there's there's all sorts of data. We're in a data-driven world. I think if NASCAR is going to do anything about it, if they say, for example, hey, you know, you're allowed to save fuel, but you can't go less than 80% throttle, they probably have the data there to look at that and say, you were going 70% the whole time and have an undetermined penalty, whatever that whatever that penalty Maybe, but I mean, it, it, I I understand the frustration from some of the drivers where it's it's the Daytona 500. You want to race for it. You want to go 100%. You want to be the one leading. You want to be like William Byron leading on the final lap when there's a when there's a caution. You want to be able to be in it and to just sit there and and basically run the train and save fuel. I guess is helpful for less pit stops, but when everybody's doing it and no one wants to race, it's, uh, 
it's a little disheartening. I see where Eric Jones is coming from, especially when you have guys like I believe it was AJ Allmendinger who was running probably two seconds faster than the entire pack by himself uh-huh. because he had pitted and was had enough fuel to go to the end. So he was running down the pack by himself. You know, you know, that doesn't happen to Daytona. That just doesn't. This, you know, last time I something notable like that happened, Bill Elliott lapped the field twice at what was it, Talladega, made up two laps and then won the race as well. So, you know, that was however many years ago, and now A.J. Allmendinger is trying to do it again. So um, I, I I can see the frustration with with the fuel strategy. Um, there's a, I feel like there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Um, it's a double-edged sword because when we were at Daytona, for the Daytona 500 in 2017, the year Kurt Busch won it, that was a fuel mileage race. And everybody got spread out, running th- low on fuel, and, and it everyone says, you know, well, I shouldn't say everyone. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know a lot of people who who said that that was a really good race, and 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 you know, Kurt Busch was the one who saved enough fuel and came out on top. So it's a double-edged sword. But when you're going 50% throttle, I think that there is. I, I do I do think NASCAR should at least look into it to see if there's anything that they can do. Let's dive on into our soundbite of the week. Well, Tony, what angered you at the end of the race? What did you take issue with? What the hell do you think I was mad about? Dumb little. St- runs us clear down to the infield he wants to about everybody else and he's the one that drives like a little i'm gonna bust his ass thanks tony thank you it's time for the sound bites of the week me getting wrecked <laughs> he didn't see that so uh, yeah just really unfortunate end shot to win the daytona 500 really in great position with the outside lane breaking up and kind of one-on-one with the 24 with uh the whole pack behind so um can't really ask for anything else other than that um, out of myself and the team. And um, yeah, just sucks a little bit. Um, I guess. I mean, Corey finished fourth. So, congrats. I, I mean, he he tried to fit a car where there wasn't a car. I understand trying to shut me out or put up an opportunity because I wasn't probably the best spot possible coming to the white. Uh, but yeah, I'm cash center and I don't even know where I finished. So really sucks, but that's racist. Once again, that was Austin Sendrick. Anthony, uh, you and Steven were at the Care Center way longer and way, probably a lot more than you probably expected. Um, I'll have you go first. Does he have a right to be, that? this being Austin Sendrick, does he have a right to be pissed at Corey LaJoy, even though this was the final lap of the Daytona 500? I mean, yes, uh, because you said it yourself. It's the final lap of the Daytona 500. Everybody is trying to get everything they can get. At the same time, you know, maybe he doesn't because Corey LaJoy also thinks it's the final lap of the Daytona 500. So he's going to try to go for the win. I mean, you know, the term that's racing is is thrown around quite a bit. But quite honestly, when it comes to the Daytona 500, everybody wants to win that Harley J. Earl trophy. Everybody wants to have their car sit out in the in the museum out of Daytona for a year. Everybody wants that that moment of, of glory. Um, so it, it, I think both Cindric has a right to be pissed. And I also think Corey LaJoy has a right to justify that. Um, I think, I think they both are, um, neither are wrong. 
Um, it's just, it's just everybody wants to win the Daytona 500. I mean, Tony Stewart would wreck his grandmother to win the Daytona 500. <laughs> you know, I, Corla Joy, he said he'd wreck Austin Sindra to win the 500, apparently. So, you know, unfortunately, the caution came out. You know, might have been, you know, who knows what Cindric would have said had LaJoy actually won the race. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think they're both, um, neither right nor wrong in their assessment of the, of the final lap. I completely agree. I mean, it's a final lap. If you're not going for it, why are you even out there, you know? And so I, I feel like that when it's, if it would be different if this was on lap 10 rather than lap 199, you know? So, um, with, with that being said, I, I know and I see that Austin Drick piss. I get it. But at the same time, Corey Lejoy, he ha- he wants to win. And he has not won a Cup Series race before. And he's going all out. And he had a shot. And he went for it. And unfortunately, boom, did not go uh, the way that he wanted it to go. Let's dive on into some final thoughts and wrap this program up. It's going to be a drag race all the way back to the start-finish line. No caution. They're side-by-side right to the line. Dog crash. Here they come. Checkered flag. The checkered flag is out, and it's time for the final thoughts. Final thoughts are in the air, whatever you want to rant, rave, or anything in between. Mr. Anthony Damcott, the floor is yours, my friend. Man, I mean, not to get too personal for a second, but... The Daytona 500, the entire weekend is always so, so magical. So, you know, even watching on TV um, and, and I applaud all the fans who came back. I think there were so many fans in attendance on Monday that it, it was, it was unbelievable to see. And they were treated to a, a great race, maybe not a fast one, I guess, with the, with the fuel saving, but I mean, they kept it relatively clean until 10 to go. So I, I, I think this was a good year to come out and watch it. It wasn't, it didn't just evolve into chaos. Um, and I think, you know, the rain put a damper on things, pun intended, but I, I think it was, I think overall it was a great weekend for NASCAR. Um, great, great way to kick off our, our 2024 season. For me, I'm, I'm going to go with a, a, thing that Jeff Gordon said after the race. William Byron is a superstar, and I have to disagree right now. For a superstar, you got to be brand name. You have to be a, a name that people are recognized by just a, a number or a face. And for that right now, it's Denny Hamlin, and that's Chase Elliott, and that's Bubba Wallace. William Byron is close, but he's not there. And we asked Ed Lane, of the fascinating with Ed Lane, is William Byron a superstar? And he says all he has to do is just win more. And Denny Hamlin on his podcast says, you just win three times a year, and for the next, what, 15 years, you're going to get 45 wins, add the 11 that he's already got. He's already got, you would have 56 wins, and that would make you a superstar. For William Byron to continue his trajectory up, you already got Daytona 500 win. You got a championship four appearance. I would assume that he is one of the front runners to make it to the championship four again. You're going to have to continue to win races. He's on the precipice of becoming a superstar, but I got to disagree with Jeff Gordon. I don't think he is there quite yet. Mr. Anthony Damcott, it was an absolute pleasure. Promote your social media and then promote all of the work that you have been doing as well as the work that's going to be coming out soon, my friend. Yes. So you can find me on Twitter at Anthony Damcott. Um, Got a lot of great things that I'm working on this year with Front Stretch. Um, I am pretty much Front Stretch's lead truck series guy. So you can find me writing Truck and Thursdays, 
quite a bit. I'll be writing tracking the trucks, the, the race reports after every truck series race. Um, I also co-write fire on Fridays with one Michael Massey. Um, hey. actually, this week is my week for fire on Fridays. So on Friday, take a look and see what hot take I have this week. Say whether you agree, disagree. Um, and of course, obviously I'll be trying to get to the track a whole lot more this year. Cause man, Daytona was a lot of fun. I want to do it again. I love it, and you did one heck of a job, my friend. Really, really impressed, and we're definitely going to be having you out at the track more. Hopefully, we get to be able to work together at the track. I know I'm going to be I'm going to be pushing our boss man, uh, Mr. Bolsey, um, certainly to to get you out there. At Anthony Damcott on the Twitter at the Brian on at Trey Lyle VT or the Trey Lyle underscore VT. The first one, yep, is Trey Lyle VT. Okay, I, I almost didn't screw it up, but a big thanks to Trey. I know he puts up with my nonsense, um, so big thanks to him as well. Coming up next, through the gears as well as Stock Car Scoop on Sunday, and then a fantastic episode of Happy Hour in which good old Mike Neff joined the program yesterday. So make sure to check out all of our Front Church podcasts on the Front Church podcast of never for Trey Lyle and the damn thought I'm Brian Owen. Talk with you guys next week for another edition of Front Stretches. Bring the heat.